Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Daily Playbook. I'm your host, Carl Vogley, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mitch Lang. We probably need Party to come up with people. nicknames. Party people. That's our nickname. Today <laughs> is Wednesday, May 8th, and we are going to cover three topics today. The Raptors 76ers game, the Minnesota Twins current streak, and the St. Louis Blues advancing in another great Stanley Cup playoff game. But first, you probably saw this coming, a word from our sponsor. Today's episode of The Daily Playbook is sponsored by PJ's Appliance Outlet. Honestly, guys, I don't know how many times I have to say it. If you're looking at getting new appliances in your home, there isn't a better deal in the Twin Cities area, or probably any area really, then PJ's Appliance Outlet, you get 40 to 70% off all the time on fridges, stoves, dishwashers, washing machines, dryers. Think about that. You're basically getting buy one, get one free, and you can't beat it. So head on over to PJ's Appliance Outlet. They're located in Plymouth, Minnesota, and they're also online at pjsapplianceoutlet.com because if it's not a steal, it's not a deal. So we're starting today's show talking about the Toronto Raptors dismantling, you heard that correct, dismantling the Philadelphia Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, we lost 76ers. Just an annihilation. Did I get all those names right? Uh, I believe so. It's not like if if you got them wrong, they would have done any better. Yeah, I mean, J.J. Reddick couldn't hit a shot. I mean, he only took six shots and made one. So I guess he made one, but he was minus 21. Tobias Harris, minus 34. Joel Embiid, minus 15. And he played 31 minutes and did nothing. 13 points, what was it, seven rebounds and eight turnovers? Yeah, eight turnovers. that a kid? That's a very, uh, like I said before, that's a very Hashim to beat stat line right there. Just just throw Boban Marjanovic in there, and let's just enjoy watching basketball again. I don't want to sure. watch a guy who's about to crap his pants on the basketball court. Yeah, I mean, it's it started as, oh, you know, he, he has diarrhea, and now it's progressed to he has an upper respiratory infection. Like, how does that even happen? You know, Brett Brown, after the game, he um, – Obviously, you know, he's defending his players and he's defending his players against the criticism that the media gives him. But at what point do you just sit the guy and realize that you'll be better off doing so? Like, look, Joel Embiid, when he's on, he's one of the most dominant players in the NBA right now. Like, I I don't think anyone can can say anything against that. But, you know, like Brett Brown said, oh, the guy's been in bed with 103 degree temperature. Um, and all he wants to do is come out and represent for his team. And, you know, he, he's just doing his best. But it's like, Brett, like, you're the coach. Like, you're the one who has to make the decision on whether this player is going to benefit you day in or day out. Like, yes, like I said, at his best, Joel Embiid, he's an all-star. But every one of us gets sick. Every one of us get hurt. And it's the coach's job to determine whether to sit a player or not. And in my opinion, I think it's time to sit Joel Embiid until until he's at least 80-90%, which I don't think he's even close to. It kind of reminds me of when people say that their players are butthurt. Like they have a gluteus injury. Like, oh, so they they just <laughs> didn't like what some players said to them and they're a little butthurt. 
or they fell on the ground and they're a little butt hurt, and you just put it that way, Joel Embiid just isn't playing well. So they're coming up with some injury for him. Yeah, and I, I, I absolutely think that's it. And, I mean, obviously it's a little, you know, it, who knows? Obviously he has that lingering knee issue. Um, I think that's the main part of it. Um, and I obviously don't think they're willing to tip their hand um, and, and tell teams that look like he might be hurt and he might not be playing at 100%. But, like I said, how does it become – how does it come from – oh, the guy has diarrhea, all of a sudden progressing to an upper respiratory infection. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, it just doesn't make sense to me. I'm not a doctor or anything, but um, I, I might need someone to explain that one to me. Yeah, so the 76ers lose. That's the baseline of this story. They lost. They didn't just lose, though. They got destroyed. <laughs> this wasn't a pretty game. If you're a 76ers fan, sorry, Kevin Hart. Sorry, Meek Mill. Your team did not do well today. They just didn't no. flat out. Not at all. And I mean, thing is, is Toronto's a good team, and I mean they got some great players on their team. And Kawhi Leonard is—I'll be honest, Kawhi Leonard is the MVP of the playoffs so far for me. Um, he's getting it done on both ends of the floor. Uh, I think he had like 21 points, 13 rebounds, four assists, so a nice double double right there. But what's even more impressive is how he's making Ben Simmons look like a child out there. Let's just look at Ben Simmons' stat line today. 25 minutes, 7 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists. Once again, 7 points, 7 rebounds, and 4 assists. Wait, how many 3-pointers did he make? How many 3-pointers? He took 0, he made 0. Oh, still over. Took 1 free throw, made 1 free throw. How, I mean, Kawhi is, like I said, for how great he is on the offensive side of the floor... What's even more impressive this series is how bad he's making Ben Simmons look. And I was under the impression this year that Ben Simmons was going to take this huge step forward, and in a lot of respects he has, but he is he's looking like a child um, out there right now, and, and I think it's all because of Kawhi Leonard. I mean, honestly, if you can't shoot a three-pointer in today's NBA, you're outdated. And you need to fix that. You need to get an upgrade in your system. And that upgrade is three-point shooting. And Ben Simmons doesn't have it. So Kawhi, as great of a defender as he is, he doesn't have to play right out on him. He gets that little extra extra foot, foot and a half in between them to be able to plan for wherever he's going to move, wherever he's going to try to drive and get in front of it. Simmons, oh. you're a child. Your team lost. I mean, I predicted you guys would go to the second mention, round, but as you know, as, as bad as Joel Embiid was with his turnovers, Ben Simmons added another five. So between their two best players today, let's just add this up: they had 20 points, they had 13 rebounds, and five assists. And on top of that, they added 13 turnovers. Like that's terrible. And so, like I said, Brett Brown's going to need to make a call at Embiid. Um, ben Simmons is. I mean, let's just be honest. I don't know if Ben Simmons even wants to play anymore this series because he knows what he's up against, and and he has to be scared. Um, But I don't know. I think um, just with how this game went, um, let's just be honest. The only reason why they didn't lose by even more than 36 points is because Jimmy Butler somehow willed his way into making 10 of 11 free throws. Um, But I think the the 76ers are done. I think we're going to see Toronto um, in the next round in the Eastern Conference Finals, and um, obviously, I think they're going to be playing the Bucks, and I think it's going to be a hell of a series. J-Butt doing, doing work for once. 
Now we're going to move on to a little side topic that I just found scrolling Twitter earlier today. This guy announced his commitment to Ferris State D2 basketball. And in his note, he said, I would like to announce my Division II commitment to Ferris State University. My D1 recruitment remains open, in all caps. I will continue to play spring and summer basketball at the highest level to further develop my game for a D1 scholarship. If the right D1 offer doesn't come about, then I will be extremely excited to continue my academic and athletic career at Ferris State University. Go dogs. Oh, wow. That's ballsy. Um, do you think this is a sign of things to come? Division two recruitment updates saying I'm committed to going here unless something better comes along. Yeah. Do you think, do you think this is going to be a thing now? I really hope not, but I think players do it already. They just don't go out and say it like they'll yeah. say it, say a Minnesota athlete gets a scholarship from the Gophers it's been yeah. their dream to play there. And they're like, okay, I'm going to the Gophers. I'm going to go play for Rick Pitino or Richard, whichever one he is little Dick. And, <laughs> and then all of a sudden Duke comes along. You're not going to tell me that that guy's going to go, Oh, I'm staying in Minnesota. No, he's going to Duke. No, but at the same time, how many people do we see actually make an announcement before, you know, everything is kind of a hundred percent anyway. I mean, now there, there's a few exceptions here and there, but I think, I think enough people have enough sense to, to wait because, you know, you, just with what he said today, like, do you think Ferris University wanted to hear that? And truth be told, I mean, does he think that he's going to gain more interest from Division One schools by coming out and saying this type of stuff? Like, I just don't think so. No, I don't either. I mean, I just said it because I think it's a hilarious story that he'd say this. And the Twitter replies are hilarious. Hmm, if I was Ferris State, I'd rescind that offer. This is the most yeah. uncommitted commitment of all time. Pull the offer. But the best comment from Turk Wendell, got to give him credit. He said, <laughs> is he going to tell his wife one day, I'm committed to you unless a hotter woman comes along and offers me sex. But if not, <laughs> I'm really excited to be committed to you in marriage. <laughs> oh, that is perfect. Gold. Gold, Turk. Absolute gold. <laughs> Turk, we salute you. So... Moving on to another team we salute, the Minnesota Twins have been on an absolute tear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hometown team, the hometown nine, as people used to call it. I, I feel like people don't say the hometown nine anymore. They don't. I, I don't think I've... I'm 28 years old, and I haven't heard that since I was probably a kid. You're really dating yourself. I know, I know. I'm getting old out here. Okay, Good but the the Minnesota Twins are on a roll. Hair. Yeah, we we'll get you some Rogaine or whatever it is you need for your hair. What is what is it? I don't know. I might go with the salt and pepper look. Yeah, it's mature, right? You know what? I I'd like to think so. Hopefully, the people around me think so too. So right now, the Twins in their last ten, they're seven and three. They're four games up on the Cleveland Indians in the AL Central. They're half a game back of the Tampa Bay Rays for the best record in Major League Baseball. And you're getting really great pitching from this team. Martin Perez fired seven scoreless innings two nights ago with nine strikeouts, and he has a 1-6-4 ERA in five starts this season. The coaches talked to him 
before they signed him and asked him if he'd be willing to take some lessons from him, change some pitches, and he was open to it. More players need to be open to that because the analytics and the stuff that's around nowadays and that Rocco's installing and Derek Falvey and Thad Levine is going to end up helping players as long as they're open to it and aren't like, no, I'm pitching my way. Another stat, though, is the Twins' bats before last night's game entering play in the American League. First in doubles, first in slugging, second in extra base hits, second in OPS, third in home runs, and third... I don't know what that stat is. (laughs) (laughs) It says WOBA. You know what? I'm taking... I'm cutting... They're doing the most out here nowadays. But here's the biggest stat. Jose Barrios obviously tossed seven scoreless last night. You should know that. But twin starting pitchers have posted a 1.40 ERA with 47 Ks in seven games since May 1st. That is the difference. It's unbelievable. Like, I'm blown away. I mean, I... It, it, I know it's early, um, and as a Minnesota sports fan, I've been hurt way too many times to, to you know, actually get some excitement going this early in the season. But the way it's looking right now, as long as our pitchers don't get injured and, you know, maybe maybe come around the trade deadline, um, we trade for, you know, one more ace or, you know, a, a second guy to back up Barrios. I mean, I think the Twins, as long as we keep going the way we're going, and obviously there's going to be slumps, um, but <laughs> – I mean, I think we have a real shot to be a dangerous playoff team. I'm not going to be go as far as to say we could be a World Series team, but, I mean, let's just be honest. We do have the best record in baseball right now, even though it is early. Second best. But also Dallas Keuchel's available. He is. Craig Kimbrell's available. about him for how long now? Too long. Too long. I think nothing's going to happen, though, until the trade deadline, or not the trade deadline, the first-year player draft, because teams don't want to give up a first-round pick. So I'm sure some teams have talked to him and been like, hey, what you doing June 6th? We'd love to yeah. have you on our team. Here's what we're willing to offer you. And they've started to hash out what the what the deal will be for June 6th after that draft. No, for sure. I mean, he's, he's still on the market, which, to be honest, is crazy to me um, at this point. Um, and... Just be honest, the Twins are looking like buyers this year, and I think we could pull together a good run. And like I said, there's going to be slumps. Um, there's going to be frustrations. But as long as our, our, our main guys stay healthy, included Barrios, um, I don't see any reason why this team can't be a playoff team um, come October. It really shows you, though, the difference when you have competent pitching. The old Twins who were making the playoffs all the time, Johan Santana. One of the most Frank underrated. Lariano for one the, of the, that short amount of time oh. when they were a two-headed monster. Like, oh my God. Yeah, but Johan, one of the most underrated Cy Young winners ever. He should have won multiple Cy Young awards. He never got the credit he was due as a starting pitcher. And honestly, I think he's borderline Hall of Fame, but that's probably part of my bias creeping in. But then you had Brad Radke, a solid number three starter. And I actually see a lot of Brad Radke and Kyle Gibson He's not going to overpower you. He's got to hit his spots. And when he does and he induces those ground balls, you're getting outs. Proud of the Twins, man. I, uh, I'll be honest, his first 
first year in a couple of years where it seems like every day they're on, like I, they're exciting. It's, and it's not even just the pitching that's exciting. It's the bats are waking up. And I think people forget that we, we play half of our games in a pitcher's park. And for us to be doing what we're doing is, let's just be honest, we haven't seen this for a while. So it's exciting. Everybody here in the, in the Twin Cities has to be excited about it. For sure, for sure. Another city that needs to be excited is St. Louis. The St. Louis Blues in double overtime beat the Dallas Stars. In one of the, I don't know, I feel like it was one of the more boring matchups, but it was actually like a really even matchup and a really good series for two teams that I don't care about. And that's that's what the Stanley Cup playoffs do, is a team you don't care about, you like get invested and you're like, oh, I like that Rupe Hintz guy. I'm rooting for Dallas. Or you're like, yeah. Robert Thomas, that kid is 19, absolute stud, and he shoots one off the post, off the back of Ben Bishop's head, and uh, Patrick Maroon, the hometown boy, the hometown hero now, yeah, gets the overtime game winner. He's the second player in NHL history to score an overtime game winner in a game seven in or near his hometown. Yeah, I mean, shout out to the Blues. Um they were dominant the whole game. Um, they were faster. They were bigger. They were stronger. I mean, 54 shots on goal compared to 30 at Dallas. I mean, it was even a bigger margin at one point. Um, I think I, I read a stat where it said that Dallas in the last overtime um, took more shots on goal than they had in the second and third period combined. Yeah, I mean, that here, just shows you want the stats you're looking for? The blues were. Yeah, give me the stats. The shots on goal since the first period – in the third period with 105 left. So with a minute left in regulation, the shots on goal through the second and third period, 31 for St. Louis. Guess how many for Dallas? 13. Minus 10. Five. Minus 10. They had three. They had three shots the entire second and basically all of the third period. Like I said, I felt like five shots. It felt like St. Louis was in Dallas on the entire game. And the only shots that Dallas were getting on goal, although although they were great shots, and I mean, they almost got lucky on a couple of them, they just weren't there. I mean, Dallas, I mean, look at the, I mean, even look at the hits. Like, And this was a bigger margin at one point. I think at one point St. Louis had twice as many hits. They had over twice as many shots. And... Once again, at one point, I think they were up on faceoffs by about 13 or 14. And it's like Dallas, for them, I mean, let's just be honest. Ben Bishop put the team on his back tonight. He was incredible. I mean, he saved, what, 52 out of the 54 shots that were taken. Yes, sir. If, if there was ever a reason why why Dallas was took it to two overtimes, it, it was him alone. I mean, the, the rest of the team had nothing going from the whole game. St. Louis was dominant, but... Ben Bishop was almost the hero they needed, and and shout out to him. I mean, that guy, I mean, he's incredible. What else can you say about him? Yeah, you really can't say any more. 52 saves is absolutely incredible. 963 save percentage. And the one that ends up going in is one that bounces off the back of his head and is sitting there in the goal crease. And Patty Maroon, with his huge body on the ice, puts it home. He was called by Patrick Laine. In the first round, Patrick Line called him fat. And he just took it in stride. And guess what? Chubby kids are winning. <laughs> Chubby kids are winning. That's man. the moral of the story. Okay. <laughs> no matter how big, small, whatever you are, you put your heart and soul into the game. 
and it'll give you love. Yeah, and I mean, that, that's what Game 7s are all about. Um, the team who wants it more is, is the team that's going to win the Game 7. And I think the only the only player on Dallas that wanted it more than the entire than the entire team of the Blues was Ben Bishop. I mean, it. everyone out there looked... I mean, you watched the game, and I watched the game from, you know, probably the halfway through the second period all the way through, and Dallas looked just... They just looked outmatched the entire the, the the entire game, and if it wasn't for Ben Bishop, let's just be honest, they probably would have lost about four one, maybe even five one, um, at the end of regulation. So shout out to Ben Bishop. Um, I don't think he he can go to bed mad at himself. I mean, he did all he can do. Um, you could point fingers everywhere else, but he's not one of the guys you could ever point a finger at in this situation. No, and here's the actual line that he said. Patrick Liney called him fat, and Maroon said, I might be chubby, but I'm effective. And that is exactly what he was. <laughs> yeah, that's what it comes down to. All you have to do is execute, and that's what he did. So the St. Louis is moving on. They're going to find out who they're going to play tonight when Colorado takes on San Jose in San Jose. Going to be a great Game 7 once again. I hope I didn't jinx it by saying that and it's like a 5 nothing blowout or it's like a 3 nothing game and then with 10 minutes left they call a 5-minute major and a team comes back because their player got injured even though it was just a cross-check. Can that, we not bring this up? That would never happen. So obviously <laughs> oh, yeah. that's not going to happen. God. So good yeah, luck to Colorado cool. and San Jose. I just really want a good game. Multiple overtimes. That's what I love. All right, well, well, we'll go back on this one more time. Who you got? You still got the Avs, or are you going to pick San Jose and switch it up? I got to stick I gotta stick with my guns. I said Avs in seven. I'm sticking Avs in seven. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say San Jose. It's not um, a limb. They're the favorite. I think, th- but the thing is, is I think the game's going to be pretty close, just like you said. Don't want to jinx it, but I think it's going to come down to the third period. But I do think that San Jose is going to pull it out. I just hope Martin Jones has one of those games where he gets so in his own head that he's letting in sloppy goals. <laughs> Which could happen. Let's just be honest. It could, it could happen. It could happen to Grubauer, too. You never know. I I, I think it, it less of a chance of it happening with him. Yep, but that's why we watch the game. So that oh. will conclude today's episode of The Daily Playbook. Thank you once again from myself and Mitch for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Peace. Love you guys.